I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 4 in your Bibles. To a well-known passage, a well-known parable. I think a lot of the parables of Jesus, uh, we can bring them to mind, the concepts to mind. We can kind of retell the parable in our own way if we uh, needed to off the cuff. And this parable is uh, this, well, there's a number we're going to look at this morning, but they all uh, go together in a sense. And that's the thing sometimes we might have the temptation to read a parable as its own thing and a parable as its own thing and never uh, connect the lines and even connect the order of them. Uh, but they each have uh, their purpose and, and are placed on purpose by the author, by God's uh, inspiration. Here in Mark 4, we're looking at uh, beginning of verse 21 and forward. This comes after the parable of the four soils or the sower's seed as it's more popularly known. And here we look at this uh, parable of the lamp under a basket. And it, it's interesting because it also, uh, when we read that parable, it just gives us a, a recollection of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says the exact same thing um, in, uh, in a sense there. And so we must understand it. We must not just understand it, not just hear it, not just know the parable, but, but apply it and be careful to apply it. I'm just going to read the text for us first, and then we will walk through it together. Beginning uh, Mark 4, beginning of verse 21. Hear God's word. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket, or under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. To one who has not, uh, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when it is sown on the ground, is the smallest of the seeds on the earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make their nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. These are the parables which with which he spoke to them. And this one is, uh, and these few really, are connected to the parable of the sower's seed or the four soils. There is a seed, there is a sower, there is growth. And really, if you look at the end of the last parable there in verse 20 of chapter 4, it says, But to those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 
thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. The ones who were of good soil, the only plants that actually sprouted and survived and persevered to bear fruit, they bore fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. These were plants that did not just serve themselves. They multiplied. And so then he goes on to these other parables, which are exactly the way this seed multiplies, exactly the way that this, this fruit of the gospel in, in the life of a believer, the one who has this good-soiled heart that God has prepared and God has grown. So now this fruit is bearing, and what does that look like? Does it just look like a satisfied little plant that serves nobody else? Well, no. It bears fruit and it multiplies 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And then he goes right into this next parable. He says, is a lamp brought and, and hidden? Do you bring out a lamp and light it up and get it all ready and then you hide it? Just like this plant that has born in good soil that has now sprouted up and is bearing fruit. Do, do you just hide it? Do you not utilize it? Do you not take maybe a part of the pollen? Do you not take part of the seed that it's going to produce and, and produce more? Why would you hide it? Why would you cut it down? Why would you hinder it? Why would you just take it and say, well, that's just such a beautiful plant. I'm going to make sure it does nothing else. Or that's just such a healthy crop. I'm going to make sure that I have nothing else like it ever again. No. In the same sense, it's, it's foolishness to think that you would bring out a lamp and, and cover it. So he says in this parable, and he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Of course, that's a question that, of course, they know the answer to. You, you don't light a lamp and cover it up. Its purpose would not be served. It would be absolutely useless. There would be no purpose for the lamp anymore. The purpose of the lamp is to bring light to a dark room. To expose the dangers. To, to bring joy. What is the lamp for? If you cover it up. You don't bring it in. And interesting, in the early uh, times when Jesus is writing, they would have had lamps, not candles. Candles weren't even invented until the Middle Ages. It would have been an oil lamp. And in their rock homes or, or walls of, of clay or whatever they may have been, they would have carved out shelves out of the side and had lamps set here and there. Oil lamps that they would keep burning as long as they would need to. And so they would bring it out and they would set it on a stand, either in the, in, in the room somewhere or in the stand in, in the wall that they had. It was on display so that you could see it and it could be of benefit to you. That was the point of a lamp, that it might benefit those who it is near. And then verse 22, he, he gives on the further purpose of what this lamp is. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. It's to be, to be exposed, nor is anything secret except to come to light. And now this is an interesting phrase in this context of the, the lamp now bringing illumination, bringing light, um, opening people's eyes. Because, you know, the disciples might have at this point been thinking, okay, so he's speaking in parables so that everything stays in the dark. So that no one gets it. No one understands. That's why parables are said, you know, so that it's kind of a, a trick. It's, a, it's a, a riddle. We'll see if they can figure it out. He says, well, no, that's not the point. The word is coming out, even in parables, the word is coming out as a lamp. And as it is being exposed to the darkness, 
For some areas will still remain dark. If there's something behind a wall, it doesn't matter if you shine a flashlight. It's still dark back there. But for the things that are in, in the open, it will now illuminate. He says the things will be made manifest. Things will be seen. Things will be exposed. The truth of who he is will be made light. The problem is that this parable isn't just about a, a lamp on a lampstand. It's about a Christian who doesn't share the gospel. A Christian who, who has the light. The light has affected them. They are, are supposedly in this good soil bearing fruit. Should be multiplying. They should be multiplying the fruit of the gospel. The light should be giving illumination to others. Should be lighting up darkness. And he says there's a problem. Is when you seem to think that, that the light should be covered. We put bushels or baskets over top of the light of the gospel. We are called the saints in light in Colossians chapter 1. We know that Jesus is the light. John 1 verse 9 says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He is the true light. Jesus says in John 8, Verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. They will not be covered up with a basket. They will not be blind to what is in front of them. The, the word is illuminating and they will be light. They will not walk in darkness. They will, have, they will have the light of life. Jesus, the light of the world in us, shining through us. So then... It is our job and our joy to be the light of the world. Matthew says, let your light shine before all men so they may see your good deeds and give what? Glory to you? No. They give glory to your Father. When you let your light, your light, shine before all people through your good works, through your, through your actions, through what you are, are, are building bridges to be able to say to people, you let your light shine and God gets the glory we have a, a joy and a job to be this light on a lampstand a light not on display to say you need to make sure that you're on display for everyone and that and you're super popular and everyone likes you and everyone's attracted to you so that you know they can be in the light that's not the point of the text the point of the text is that the light is out there that the light is the, is available uh, that is not being hindered in any way. We, we know the light. We've ex experienced the light. We've received the light. It, is, it has caused us, in Colossians chapter 1 actually, it says, um, We give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. That is the light. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have been transferred out of darkness. A domain of darkness where everything was dark and concealed and hidden. And, and grim and, and there's no hope. There's, there's not even a wonder as to what's next. He says, you've been transferred out of that. There is hope. There is light. There is an inheritance. So if you've experienced the light, the light has... Uh, born fruit in your life, you know it now. Now you should show it. When you know it, you ought to show it. 
You should share it and spread it. Don't hide it because it makes no sense. If the light is hidden, what use is it? What use is the light? And that's exactly what he says. Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket? No, it's not. But here's the problem is you and I have many baskets in our lives. We have many baskets where we cover the light. We have things that hide the light or hinder the light from getting out from our lives. One basket's a sense of inadequacy. I'm, I don't know. I can't. I can't do that. I can't share the gospel. I can't share Jesus. I don't know enough. I don't know all the right answers. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to say. So then what do we do? Well, because I'm inadequate, I put a basket over top. And I'm not, I'm not going to share. I'm not going to step out. I'm not going to put this lamp on a lampstand. I'm not going to be the one spreading the light. I'll leave that to someone else who knows or someone else who's adequate. Well, here he says, a lamp is meant to be put out, meant to shine light. You are that lamp. One sense is a sense of inadequacy. Another basket that we have in our lives is a sense of fear. That's probably one of the biggest ones, a sense of fear. But what if, what if when I share Jesus, I destroy my relationship with this person? What if I, what if I don't do it right? What if I'm persecuted? What if people laugh at me? What if I lose my job? What if I am persecuted? What if I die when I share Jesus? What if? All the, all the what ifs. A lot of fear that holds us back, that puts baskets over the lamp. And is that, is that right? Well, no, we know that. Each of us knows that. Whether we feel inadequate, whether we have fear. We also have discouragement is another basket. I've tried it before. I told that person about Jesus before. I've told them five, five, ten, six times. And they've rejected me every single time. We have discouragement that then says, all right, I'm not shining the light there anymore. I'm not going to share Jesus in that situation anymore. So we have discouragement or lies that say, that's useless. That person, look at their life. Look at the type of person they are. That kind of person would not accept Jesus. Don't even bother. Don't even bother. Lies are baskets. Or selfishness is another one. My time. My comfort. I don't want to give those up. But that becomes a basket that conceals the light. Because I'm selfish, I'm concealing the light from other people. I'm, I, don't, I don't want to spend my my days off, I don't want to spend my, my vacation time sharing the gospel. I want to spend it for me. I don't want to spend my resources, the energy that I have, on anybody but me. We're selfish. That's a basket. Or we're guilty. That's another basket. We know that we are a genuine hypocrite if we try telling other people about the gospel. We know that we're hypocrites. So we, we say, well, I don't... I myself don't want to be exposed when I'm saying this. Like if I'm sharing about Jesus and about repentance and about belief, they can look right at my life and see it's not true. That I don't really believe it. And so I'm not going to do it. Because I'm a hypocrite. Or I know that I haven't repented. And I'm living this. And so there's guilt. And so the guilt diminishes the light. The guilt holds us back from sharing 
We don't, we don't live the gospel, so I'm definitely not going to share the gospel with other people because people won't even see it in my life. There's guilt. And there's disbelief. There's disbelief in, in its weight, the weight of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, that if people do not hear this word and believe this word, that they will go to hell. Maybe we don't believe the weight of that. Or we, we, believe, we don't believe in the brevity of life. We think there's more time. There's more time with this person. I have more time in my life. We disbelieve the brevity of life. Disbelieve the severity of hell. Disbelieve the, the joy of heaven. The hope of heaven. Is it really as good as we should be saying it is? Maybe I don't believe that. Maybe it's, it's not as lovely and not as satisfying and not as hope-filled as I would like to present it to someone. So maybe there's a bit of disbelief in there where we don't believe its power. That if I share the gospel, is it really going to change that person? We don't believe its effectiveness. That's where we pray, Lord, help my unbelief. Whether it's a sense of inadequacy or fear or discouragement or selfishness or guilt or disbelief, whatever baskets are in your life, because I'm guaranteeing there's more than one of these baskets that are hiding the light in your life that it isn't mine. But that's where we must become aware of it and aware of the insanity of, of living that way. The insanity to say, yes, I have received the light of the, of the, of the world. And I, I, I know that that this light is good, and I know that it is the solution to sin problem in my life and in everyone's life, but yet I, I'm just, I can't. I can't share it. It's like having the cure to the disease everyone has, and you're being unwilling to do it. Unwilling to just tell someone. It's devastating. So then we become aware, because we see the insanity of it, the fact that we would not be sharing this good news, that that's insane. To, to know this good news, it's, as I've quoted before, uh, a famous atheist said, you know, if, if you have the good news and you refuse to share it with someone, it's the height of hatred. If you know the way to heaven and you refuse to share it with someone, you hate them to the core. It's true. So if we know that, we know that. We must then ask God to expose in us the baskets, the bushels that we have in our lives that are, that are hindering us from sharing, hindering us from taking that step, hindering us from uh, being the light in the world that we ought to be, uh, in, in good deeds and in word. God, what is it in me? What are the things in me that I need to say, that's inappropriate for the light. That's hindering the light. That's hiding the light. And, and I don't want that in my life anymore. We ought to know these things in our lives so that we can bring them to God and say, take them. Take them away from me. If it's fear that is crippling you from sharing, God, give me courage. If it is inadequacy, give me wisdom. If it is guilt, forgive me. If it is disbelief, help my unbelief. We ought to be aware of the baskets in our lives because baskets don't make any sense when we have the light and we know the light. He says, is the lamp brought to be put under a basket and not on a stand? No. Nothing is hidden when it's, when it's made manifest, so bring the light. And then he says, verse 23 there, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. It's a phrase he's used before. 
And then he says, verse 24, look here. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention. Be be careful. We pay attention to what we eat. We pay attention to dangers in this life. But are we paying attention to what? The content of what we hear, what we take in. Rubbish in, rubbish out. That's exactly how our brains work. So pay attention, he says. Put a filter up. Know exactly what you're hearing. Listen with discernment. Listen, he says, because there's going to be a hundred competing messages out there. There's the Pharisees saying one thing, and then soon the Gnostics will come and say another thing. There's false teachers. There's going to be, he, Jesus says there's going to be false Christs who come. He says, but pay attention to what? Pay attention to the content of what you hear. Exercise discernment. And then he says, what you hear is important, but also how you hear it. Because he goes on to say, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added. Here's the thing. Is if you're thirsty, you bring a cup to receive some water. Well, would you bring a communion cup if you're dying of thirst and say, I'm thirsty, I just need, uh, this is all I want. Just a tiny little cup. Because that's all you're going to get is a tiny little cup full. So with the measure you use, this is the measure I have of my thirst. I think I'm, I'm thirsty, and this is my measure. He says, with the measure you use, that, that's what will be given to you. Well, if you're, if you're hungry, you can come with a hand, or you can come with a, a plate, or you can come with a barrel. How hungry are you? Because with the measure you use of your hunger and your thirst, that will be filled. And he, he's, being, he's given this warning, pay attention to what is filling you. Pay attention to what you're hungering and thirsting after. But also be aware of, of what you're bringing in terms of what you want. What do you want from God? Are you just saying, God, God I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit hungry. I just need a little bit of your help. That's all you're going to get. Bring a truck and say, God, give me what you would have for me. Give me your word. Give me uh, life. Give me hope and, and courage by the truckload. Because this is my need. My need is not just this little bit. I don't just need a little bit of holiness. I don't just need a little bit of help. I need a truckload of help. And so I'm coming with discernment, paying attention to what's going in. But I'm also coming with expectancy. With the measure you use, it will be measured out to you. Are you coming with a open heart? Or, or have you, you know, blocked your heart and said, no, I'm, I'm kind of unwilling or I'm just a little bit willing to do this. Open yourself wide to God and what he would have for you that he may give to you. He may give to you the courage. He may give to you the light and the hope and the joy that you may then overflow it to others. Because if we're meant to share in the joy of Christ... And, and then share it with others. Well, how much are you just coming to God for? Just enough? Just enough for the moment? Just enough for, oh, right now I feel sad, so I need a little bit of joy. Okay, I'm good for five minutes, and I need a little bit more. 
We need to say, God, give me abundantly what you would have for me and for others because I want to be that light that shines forth. I want to be that, that fruit that is multiplying. I, I don't want just enough for me. I want enough for everyone I know. Give me what I need and more, but with a filter. Like, I'm coming, making sure that what I'm listening to on YouTube and in podcasts and on the radio and what I'm reading, that it's not rubbish. Because, you know, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So we're very careful about what we hear. Pay attention, he says, to what you hear, the content. Make sure you know. Make sure you have that discernment. And then come expectantly to God to pour into you that you may have so that you may give away. He goes on to say in verse 26, the kingdom of God is as if, so it's, it's like a man should scatter seed on the ground. And remember, when thinking about the parable of the four soils, we looked at the sower and we are sowers. Here it reiterates that. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter, you and I should scatter seed on the ground. And here's the beauty of the role of the sower. Dependence. Utter dependence. Look at verse 27. He sleeps. He sleeps. Did you know sleep, whether you like it or not, is an is a act of trust in God? A person who sleeps has to entrust themselves to God. They, they, Because if a person was obsessed about keeping themselves alive or, or controlling their breathing or controlling their heart, if they think they could do that, they would have to stay awake. Because they would fear the moment they fall asleep, their heart's going to stop. Because they weren't keeping it up. So sleep is, is it's amazing. It's the way God designed us to show us that we are totally dependent on him. Every single day. We are more dependent than a little baby in that moment. When you go to sleep. And, and, and that's the, the picture that's painted for us here. is like, do the work and depend on God. Do, do what you're supposed to do. Sow the seed. Share the gospel. Get into the areas, to the people that you need to be, and share with them the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then go to sleep. Go to sleep. Entrust it to God. Depend on God. Realize your inadequacy. Go to sleep. He says, he sleeps and he rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. And he knows not how. He didn't do it. The sower did not make that seed sprout. It didn't make it grow. It's the same thing with you and I. We know not how. In some people's lives, they are coming to faith in the Lord. It's not our job to know. It's our job to sow. It's our job to, to be obedient in, in sharing the gospel, in, in telling people the testimony that God has done in our lives and inviting them to experience the same. And to do that as many times as you need. Say, listen, because that's the thing. You might have your like, testimony written out. You don't have to share that with your loved ones every year, but you can share what God has done in the previous year. Listen, God has taught me through trial, through temptation, through failure. God has taught me that he is faithful and that he forgives me because of Christ. And I, I wish you knew that too. I wish you knew that I wasn't perfect. I, I, you do know that, right? Like our loved ones know that. And so we get the opportunity, as often as we want to take it, to share Christ. And yet... We don't. But here the job is to sow the seed, to scatter it on the ground. We're not sure what the ground is like, but that's not our concern. Our concern is to sow and then to sleep, to, to trust in God. 
Verse 28 says, The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then a full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And it's said, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest for more workers. Pray that we might be workers sowing the seed, harvesting, and enjoying the fruit of gospel labor uh, in our community, in our families, and in the world. It's, it would be a very sad reality, and it is a sad reality, if the only celebrating we get to do of gospel fruit and harvest is when we think about global missions. Think, oh yeah, we celebrate, you know, they're doing great things down in Haiti. People are coming to faith in the Lord. We're celebrating that we get to take part in that somehow. Well, do we get to take part of that here? Like, is God not saving anyone in West Elgin? Is he not? And, and if he is, are we, are we getting to take part? Are we experiencing not only the joy, it doesn't mean you had to be the one to tell everybody, but do we get to even enjoy in the, in the prayer? And that's why I encourage people constantly to be sharing with one another who you're praying for, for their salvation. Because if I'm praying by name for someone that you're praying for as well, if they come to faith in the Lord, I also get to rejoice. Rejoicing is multiplied. Versus you can tell me, oh yeah, so-and-so came to faith. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I didn't know about them. I didn't know you'd been praying for them. I get to rejoice, but not at the same level if I'm praying for them by name. So share with another person, one person. Maybe it's a family member that you want to see come to, come to the Lord and have them pray with you for that person that they may be rejoicing together in the work of what God has done when we, while we sleep. Uh, and then he carries on to say uh, in verse 30, he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the ground, it is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all of the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. The tiniest little things, the tiniest little seeds of gospel fruit in your life, forgiveness where forgiveness isn't deserved, you extending that to another person, love where love is not deserved, seeking forgiveness, when you had maybe, you were justified to do what you did. You were justified to be angry. Seek forgiveness. Repent. Like, let these seeds of the gospel be sown, as tiny as they are, into the world around you. Because you don't know what that tiny little seed may do. And it may sprout up and have a great purpose. A large tree and have large branches that are useful to what God is doing over there. It's incredible how it mentions this seed in verse 32. When a sonar becomes larger than all the garden plants. Like all the allurements of the world. All the things that entice us. All the things that could be beautiful. And here is the fruit of the gospel. When it is in full bloom, it is more useful. More beautiful. More lasting than anything else in the rest of the garden. And all because of a tiny seed that was sown. So then, the question for us is, what baskets are in our life that are hindering this seed from going out? That are stopping the light? That are hiding the light? 
What are those baskets in our own hearts? And, and how are we going to take them this week before God and say, take them away? Take them away. If it's just give me a little bit more courage than I had last week. Just give me a, a little more wisdom on how to, to talk about this area of my life. Give me forgiveness in an area where I've not felt it and it's holding me back. What are the areas of your life that are hindering this sharing and the spreading of the gospel from your own heart? Let your light shine before all men that they may see your good deeds and give glory to the Father. Let's pray. Well, God, what a great joy and privilege. What a great responsibility we have that for those of us that you have shone your light into and we have seen the gospel, we have seen the reality that we need forgiveness of our sins and Christ is sufficient. If we would come to him, if we would confess our sins, he, he forgives us because of all that he did for us in paying for our sins. Thank you for those of us that have said yes to Christ, those that embrace the gospel. We just pray that as it transforms us, that we would want to share in that joy with other people. Would you help us to do that? Would you give us the, the faith? Would you give us the courage? Would you eliminate the guilt as we remember the gospel? Would you help us, oh God, to be aware in our lives of selfishness, aware of inadequacies, or even feeling of inadequacies, and aware ultimately of disbeliefs in our heart? So that we may be those who, even this week, just are a little more light in the world. And not just in doing good deeds, but in sharing the reason. In sharing Christ. Help us to do that so that you may get glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.